0: Thank you. Please be seated. This morning we return to our our series on the life of Moses, and we're going to be looking at uh, Exodus chapter five, and just a few verses into chapter six. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous and you are stopping them from working. The same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and foremen in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the men so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the foreman went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them and saying, complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. The Israelite foreman appointed by Pharaoh's slave drivers were beaten and were asked, Why didn't you meet your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite foreman went and appealed to Pharaoh, Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, Make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, Lazy, that's what you are, lazy. Lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite foreman realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people and you have not rescued your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham. To Isaac and to Jacob, I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Let's pray. Father, speak, we pray, through your word to us this morning and help us to understand. Amen. A Christian lady once wrote a letter to a very close friend of hers in the church, and this is what she wrote. I do not understand what God is doing in my life. I've been a faithful wife and mother, and yet everything keeps getting worse. My husband has just lost his job, so we don't have an income. Our car needs fixing, and we don't have the money for it. We have no money to pay the rent. How can God do this to us? We pray faithfully and read the Bible. We take the kids to church each Sunday. We're faithful parents, but things have gone from bad to worse. Please tell me, what are we doing wrong? you ever felt like that? those thoughts ever come into your mind? Have you ever dared express them to other people? I wonder how many of God's people in those flood-stricken areas of our country in the past few weeks have been thinking those kind of thoughts. What have we done to deserve this? Well, such was the case of Moses. He's doing exactly what God wanted him to do, exactly what God has told him to do, and it suddenly backfires on him. He's going to be hated. He will question why. He will ask whether or not he's really in the middle of God's will. He will question God's call on his life. He will lose credibility as a leader. He will question his own adequacy. What is going wrong in Moses' life? Well, I want to share with you some simple thoughts on what we can do if we are faced with those kinds of situations when things go from bad to worse. Let's look at the life of Moses. He's been commissioned by God to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Thanks, Jonathan. And then suddenly... Things turn sour. Last couple of occasions when we've looked at this story of Moses, we have seen how he is completely flummoxed by God's call on his life. He doesn't feel up to it. He recognizes his past failures and he tries as best as he can to worm his way out of the task that God has given him. He makes every kind of excuse imaginable to avoid doing what God wants him to do, to go to Pharaoh and get him to release the people of Israel from their bondage. Time and time again... God had reassured him, as we saw last time, telling him, it's not about you, Moses, it's not about your abilities, it's not about your gifts, it's not about your past, it's not about your present. it's about me. Trust me, I will be with you. And so Moses does what God has said. He's a transformed man. That encounter with God has completely changed his attitude. He meets with the elders of Israel, just as God told him to do. And they are encouraged by Moses' words and the miracles that he performs, those signs that God had given him. God had said that the elders would listen to him. Moses doubted it, but here we see that the elders do listen to him. And he goes into the court of Pharaoh Notice, with the staff of God in his hand, that symbol of power, that symbol of authority, that symbol of control. He enters Pharaoh's presence, bold and courageous. But watch what happens. He goes to Pharaoh, accompanied by his brother Aaron, and he says to him, verse 1, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. I don't know how you would approach a sovereign ruler with a request. You'd probably go and make your humble petition with respect, with reverence, with awe. Not so with Moses. He's emboldened because he's on the the business of the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords. And he goes into the presence of Pharaoh and he demands that Pharaoh let the people of God go. He's doing exactly what God has told him to do. So what does Pharaoh do? Verse 2. He says, who is the Lord that I should obey him? I don't know this God. Why should I let the people of Israel go? No way am I going to let them escape. And then as the story develops, we see what Pharaoh does next. He no longer supplied, supplies the straw to enable the people to make bricks. He tells them to go and make them, to, to collect the straw themselves. But still, to make the same number of bricks. He doesn't reduce the quota. They're forced to double their work. Collecting their own straw is going to reduce the time available to make bricks. But nevertheless, they still have to meet those quotas. And so they request a meeting before Pharaoh to find out why they are so severely and harshly treated. And Pharaoh tells them that their problems are all down to Moses. If you want to blame anybody, blame him. It's all Moses' fault. And so in the eyes of the people of Israel, Moses has gone from hero to zero. He's going to go from the penthouse to the doghouse. They're afraid to go and tell Moses. Sorry, they're not afraid to go and tell Moses a few home truths. Verse 21, may the Lord look upon you and judge you, Moses. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses has done exactly what God expected of him. And instead of things getting better, they've got worse. You know, sometimes, friends, that's what happens. You can be doing exactly what God wants of you, but nothing seems to work out right. I've seen it over and over and over again. You can have faith in God, but as soon as a crisis comes, we're often tempted to say, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why is all this happening to me? And if there's someone else to blame, well, they will blame that person, whoever it may be. But what does Moses do? Well, he blames God. He blames God. Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh, he says, to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Moses is saying, God, it's your fault. I told you I didn't want to be the deliverer I told you I was the wrong man for the job I told you to find somebody else I kept telling you I'm not qualified and you kept saying go I will be with you and now look at the mess that I'm in I did exactly as you told me and now things have gone from bad to worse so what do we do when things do go from bad to worse. Well, here's the first thing I would suggest we need to recognize that no matter what our circumstances may be, God is still in control. God is still in control. Let's look at the beginning of chapter 6 of verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. What is God saying to Moses? He's saying to Moses, very simply, when things go from bad to worse, you can still trust me because I am sovereign. I am in charge. I am in control. I am the creator. I am the sustainer. I am the one who is in charge. I am the one who can put the pieces back together again. And God is telling Moses that Pharaoh will not only condescend to let the Israelites go, he will actually get so fed up, he will actually drive them out of his country. God is the one who can put our world back together again. I came across a a lovely story, which I'll recount to you now. It tells the story of a, a remote Swiss village. In this village, there was a beautiful church. Uh, Not only was it a beautiful church, it actually had one of the most beautiful pipe organs that uh, you could imagine. And people would come from miles around just to listen to the sound of that beautiful organ, to hear the lovely tones that came out of it. But then one day, the, the organ fell silent. For some reason, it had broken and they called in experts from all over the place all over the world to try and fix this organ but nobody had the skill or the ability to uh, mend it all the organ would do would produce really sounds of great discord but then one day an elderly man appeared at the church door and he spoke to the priest and after a time, he said to him, "Look, let me have a go at mending your organ." The priest looked at this elderly man and thought, "Well, nobody else has succeeded. What hope do you have?" But eventually, he agreed better than nothing, and he let the old man try his hand at repairing this organ for two days. The old man worked in almost total silence, and the priest was getting a little bit frustrated and a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious believing that uh, he would have no more success than anybody else that attempted, had attempted to mend the organ. But then on the third day, at noon, that mountain valley was filled with the most beautiful music that you would ever imagine. Everyone in the town stopped what they were doing as they heard the music coming out of that little church. After the old man finished playing the organ, someone went up to him and asked him how on earth he could have fixed the organ himself when all the world's experts had failed he replied simply well actually it was an inside job 50 years ago I built that organ and installed it in the church I created it now I've restored it and you know that's what God is like When things go from bad to worse, remember, it is God who created us. It is God who created the universe, and it is he who can and will restore our broken world. Recognize that God is still in control. Secondly, recognize that God has not abandoned you. Verses 2 and 3, chapter 6. God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. What effectively is saying is, look, I was with Abraham. I was with Isaac. I was with Jacob. I was with your forefathers through all their hardships. And so I will be with you as well. God has not abandoned you. Here's another little story. The owner of a photographic studio tells the story of a college student who came in with a framed picture of his girlfriend. And he wanted the picture copied, wanted it duplicated. And so the uh, owner of this photographic studio removed the picture from the frame and he noticed that on the back of the photograph was an inscription written by the girlfriend it said darling Bobby I love you with all my heart I love you more and more each day I will love you forever and ever P.S. if we should ever break up I want the picture back <laughs> when God tells us he loves us there is no P.S. God says in his words, he that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We belong to Jesus Christ. We are his forever. God has not abandoned us and will not abandon us. Thirdly, recognize that you need to stay Focused on God. Back to verse 3. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Moses, he says, I've entered into a relationship with you, a relationship which is actually different from the relationship that I had with your forefathers. I have revealed to you more about me than I did to them I have revealed to you my true name the Lord what is God saying God is saying that in his name there is the implication that God is the all sufficient one five different times in this chapter God says to Moses I am the Lord He drives it home time and time again. Moses, I am the Lord. And that name, Lord, is a very special name for God. It's the name Yahweh. The Hebrew name Yahweh. And it sums up everything that God is. God is saying, Moses, you will not endure these difficult days unless you trust me. Because of who God is he will always do what is best for you you know if we would only remember that during days when we seem to be going down and down and downhill you know we would see a marked change in our ability to handle those difficult circumstances we need to learn this about God that God is not as much concerned about changing our difficult circumstances as he is about changing our focus. You know, whenever I read the Psalms, time and time again, I read of men who pour out their heart to God about their difficult situations, about their troubles, about their pain, about their hurts, about their difficulties. And it doesn't seem that even as they write, there is an easy and immediate relief from their problems. But time and time again, their focus changes. Their focus changes from their circumstances to the all-sufficient God. He is the one upon whom our focus needs to be directed. You know, the reason why so many Christians find it hard to trust God is that they suffer from spiritual myopia. They're just short-sighted. They are so content and so focused upon their circumstances that they fail to recognize the greatness of the God who is with them. We need to focus our vision on that unchanging God. so the only question that we need to answer this morning is very simply this. When times are hard, are you willing to trust God? Is your focus fixed upon God? You know, it's far better to live trusting God than it is to fret about your circumstances. Trust in the God who never changes, rather than in your circumstances, which will change from day to day today. Lift your eyes above your circumstances because that's where God is. With God Moses could face Pharaoh. With God each one of us can face whatever tomorrow may bring. Let's pray. I don't know what kind of circumstances you're facing at this very moment, but I would guess with a congregation of this size, there are those here today that are facing real problems, real trials, real troubles. And maybe you're finding it hard to think about anything else apart from your troubled situation I would invite you very simply this morning to lift your eyes away from those circumstances and focus upon the God who knows God who knows your situation God who is in control the God who will never abandon you allow him by his spirit to strengthen your faith and trust in him lord where that word that you have brought to us this morning needs to be applied, then by your Spirit, speak words of comfort and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.